0: Today we have with us Zorairi A.R from Malay Mail to discuss the biggest and
1: latest news pieces that affect us here in Malaysia.
2: Hi Zurairi, thank you so much for joining us today for Front Page.
1: Hi, a uh, pleasure to be uh, here again.
2: Alright, let's get straight to discussing what's been happening in Malaysia. Uh, we recently had our one-day parliament sitting on the 18th of May. Our Agong actually said that you know, Tan Sri Muhyiddin, Muhyiddin Yassin has the majority support, albeit for, for, 114 out of 222 in his speech and also Tun Dr Mahade's vote of no confidence was postponed indefinitely. So what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well we finally had that it's not even a one-day sitting it was a more like half day uh, and I think uh, it was uh, laid bare finally that um, Tan Sri Muryodin had a very slim margin uh, despite uh, claiming that he commands the majority of Dewan Rakyat. Uh, During the sitting itself, uh, 114 uh, members of parliament sat on the government side. But even then, afterwards, uh, at least one of them has already admitted that uh, he was still with uh, the opposition. I I think there was Amasi the member of parliament for Sri Aman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think what can be summarized from this half-day sitting was that uh, it was quite a waste of resource uh, it was a waste of time for the members of parliament to uh, just go to the Dewan Rakyat and just to listen to the King's address. Uh, as many has mentioned before, if it was only restricted just to the Agong's address, it could have been uh, broadcast even straight from uh, the palace itself, saving everyone uh, costs, uh, resources, and also time. Uh, and also would help in trying to prevent any infection. And it was also a waste of time uh, for the media most of whom could not even cover the sitting. Uh, You even had one of the reporters fainting because he was left in the hot sun outside. Uh, And above all, uh, all this sitting has not uh, achieved anything. And later on, uh, even the minister uh, uh, in charge of parliamentary affairs, Datuk Taqiyudin Hassan, admitted that the sitting was merely just to uh, fulfill a constitution- constitutional obligation. We have to have that sitting in a certain uh, amount of time or otherwise the, the um, parliament would have to be dissolved. And that was essentially the reason why that sitting happened. It had nothing to do with uh, to prove uh, that The Prime Minister had the command of majority. It has nothing to do uh, with uh, trying to help uh, the country that is currently facing COVID-19. And I I think it was just something that for formality reason.
2: Now, with most businesses going back, um, you know, to work and everything, the next sitting has been scheduled after July 13, uh, which is about two months from now. In your opinion, do you think that this is too long a wait for the next parliament sitting? Because there's so many pressing issues right now to be discussed.
1: Yes, way, way too long. Uh, Two more months. We are already going uh, close to two months of the uh, conditional uh, movement order. uh, Sorry, movement control order. Uh, And already with the partial lockdown of two months a lot of people have suffered. A lot of people have lost their jobs, lost their incomes, um, and already waiting two more months um, to get uh, relevant bills and laws to be enacted uh, to help uh, to, to help our country to go through this very, very uh, arduous period is, is very, very much questionable. And I think we have seen in the past few weeks and months how not having the parliament... Uh, sitting to enact any bills and laws uh, has left our government toothless. Uh, In a lot of issues regarding COVID-19, our government can only recommend and urge, you know, for example, uh, employers, uh, businesses, and even the general public. They can only, um, even though we have certain laws and SOPs regarding COVID-19, but for a lot of things, for example, on employment, on letting people work from home, for example, The government can only urge and recommend this to employees and they cannot enforce it uh, with any laws and that is a problem and I think uh, a lot of the issues could be solved just by uh, our members of parliament meeting and enacting certain laws as we have seen in many countries and for example our neighbour Singapore I mean, it does not take much, really. Yeah. What I think on
0: both sides of the fence saying because uh, Diago actually mentioned uh, no politicking. This is not the time for doing it. And then both members of uh, Parliament from both sides of the fence actually agreeing. Uh, but is that
1: just for the cameras? I think it is very much important. I mean, it, it is. It is not. Uh, Two exclusive issues. You can still run a country because, you know, we, we we do have our own civil servants already keeping the country afloat all this while. Uh, so it's not exclusive. You can have uh, running the country while COVID-19 is going on. And you can also ensure that we have a democratic, uh, our democracy is still being kept. And uh, we have a government that uh, has support of the majority. And, and, and I think, that is not uh, exactly exclusive to each other.
2: Do you think this has to do with the boat of no confidence, which has now been sort of pushed out of the window? Uh,
1: yeah, it's, it is easy to uh, you know come to that conclusion, you know, because um, you have to remember that even before all this is happening, uh, we were already planning for uh, at least one day sitting with debates, and it was only in recent times that. Um, the speaker decided, you know, on advice of the prime minister, you know, not not uh, independently of himself, uh, to shorten the sitting to just after the king's address. And I think uh, that is uh, understandable how a lot of people would uh, see it this way. So we'll
2: just have to wait and see until July 13 to see if any laws can be passed as we reg- with regards to you know, businesses and COVID-19 and how we're going to revive the economy again. Okay, let's move on to our next article and this one's related to parliament as well. Um, it's all about building a virtual parliament. Would a virtual parliament be in the best interest of Malaysia at this point in time?
1: I was quite surprised uh, to read the article because he quoted uh, up to two to five million ringgit to set up virtual parliament and <laughs> it straight away got me thinking this is the kind of a price that you quote to the government so you can you know and then outsource it and then get profit out of it because I, I don't know you, uh, we have already seen virtual parliament being implemented in a lot of countries in the UK for example uh, and I think there, there is a, a slew of numbers of uh, countries that have already I mean it's not actually a virtual parliament they call it a hybrid parliament where they still Uh, meet and sit in the parliament, but they also have other MPs joining in through uh, video calls. Mm -hmm. And the the question is not uh, whether um, we can or we not, but the question is, we should have done this long time ago. And the reluctance of the government to enact this hybrid parliament only shows how much that, you know, it it does not really want to meet, uh, to to enact laws. It's it's just finding excuses for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, we are on... We're recording on Zoom right now, the three of us. We've done recording with like 50 people before and Zoom is almost free, right? <laughs> so do <we> even <laughs> you, you, do,
1: you do have to pay, I mean. but yeah, you you know, have to pay. It's not 2 million. But it's not
2: 2 million ringgit. Like, do we even need to spend the money for a virtual parliament? Especially, I mean, you know... Hopefully this COVID-19 pandemic will be over very shortly and it might not be an issue anymore to, to convene in the parliament.
1: I think it would still take a long time for COVID-19 uh, to subside. And I think uh, a lot of medical professionals have said that, you know, uh, it is there is a very big possibility that we just have to live uh, with COVID-19 uh, over the years until a vaccine uh, is found. And even then, uh, we still have to, uh, you know, things like keeping our hygiene and uh, social distancing and all that. But I think when you we when, when talk about virtual parliament, we have to uh, agree that a lot of things with our parliament are archaic. For example, um, attendance and voting, all of those are done manually. And even even the press does not have an access to whether an MP is uh, present in one day, in one sitting or not, and how he voted. So, these these are the sort of things that we need to repair and advance in our parliament. Bring it bring it to the future. Yeah. I mean, not even future is present. And I think COVID nineteen has laid bare the kind of things that you know that we need to uh, fix with uh, how the parliament is being run and having this sort of virtual parliament and other uh, you know electronic ways uh, such as voting and recording and all that. Uh, It will be beneficial for the for many years to come.
2: So let's try and push for a virtual parliament, and maybe an earlier sitting of the parliament. But are
1: there any cons to this, though?
0: I mean, obviously, besides the price tag, are there any cons to a virtual parliament?
1: Well, there is certainly because you know having our MPs meet online is definitely not going to be the same uh, with uh, you know having them face to face. I mean, of course, you can. Call it a pro as well because you won't have such petty fights <laughs> when you're you know having a lag in connection between each other uh but uh from what we have seen in other countries i mean i've i've, I've read reports of uh, parliamentarians in canada for example and also the uk they they do mention that you know they do not have the same feeling when they are talking in their uh you know living room they mm. don't feel like they are representing the public in that way uh, not not like when you are in a hall with all your, uh, you know, friends from the same side and also facing uh, the other side. So that may be one of them. But we, we would never know if we don't have this. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, this is, you would not
1: know until you try.
2: This is going to be the new normal, you know, moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not just the parliament. I mean, we're working as well, uh, us having uh, all these online conferences, webinars, uh, working from home. I think we just uh, need to uh, put it in our heads that, you know, this, this is going to be a norm and all our employers and all the government has to come with this.
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, it was weird at first to interview people via video conferencing as well, you know, not being able to see, see you face-to-face sort of, but yeah. it's become a norm for us now. It just takes a while to get used to it.
0: I just got this message this uh, from, from the news here that says man sentenced to death via Zoom call. It's a first oh, yeah, for yes. Singapore. <laughs> yes.
1: You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know?
2: Okay. If you can be sentenced, you can make laws via Zoom.
1: <laughs> yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. Let's move on to our next article. Uh, this one is exciting. Um, Riza to walk free. Now, what are your personal thoughts on this turn of events?
1: Okay, um, I think, I think a lot of us are focusing on how this sort of like subverted justice in a way because uh he does not have to be. I mean, basically, basically, he was discharged in return uh, for certain things. For example, um, yesterday we find out that he may be one of the prosecutor's uh, witness uh, in the trial of that Seri Razak's one uh, MDB case, mm-hmm. and uh, we have also uh. Re- uh the Malaysian Anti-Corruption Commission has also said that um, I think what, I think the authorities all this while well, they, they seem to be trying, rather than to achieve justice, they, they seem to be trying to uh, just return whatever money that has been taken, uh, that has been embezzled back to, uh, to the country. And I think uh, this may be one of the reasons why uh, this decision uh, has been, that we have arrived at this decision. But I think a more pressing matter is how this decision uh, how how did we arrive at this decision? It has been very opaque, uh, and we have heard a lot of contrary uh, explanations from both sides. Uh, the MACC and also the current uh, Attorney General Tan Sri Harun has claimed that this was a decision decision achieved by his predecessor Tan Tommy Thomas, but uh, Tommy himself has declined and has denied such a thing ever happening, and. Uh, the, the 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 mystery just goes just deepens every especially. Uh, I mean, today there is a report by uh, today being Wednesday. Uh, we have a report by Freeman said today uh, alleging what had happened behind the scenes. Um, of course, the report still did not prove anything. It, it did say that oh, while Tommy Thomas was aware of the uh, arrangement, but he did not exactly. I mean, there was no proof that he did agree to that. So wh- wh- what we need here is for the government side at least, you know, for Attorney General's chambers, meCC to come out with a paper trail to at least, you know, come clean on this. Otherwise, right now we are just having, you know, he says, she says kind of situation. Uh, and the and in the end, the public is left wondering, how did we ever achieve a decision to just let Riza... You know, being discharged, and you know, for, for in return for what is it even worth it at this point? I mean, uh, just yesterday there was a report that uh, so far he has uh, agreed to let go uh, six hundred thousand ringgit that was uh, taken during the raid on on the residents of Datuk Seri Najib and Najib Raza and his family. I mean, six hundred thousand ringgit. How, how <laughs> was it even worth it if if that's the only thing that we get? Yeah, only the future can tell us about that.
2: But but what do you think is the most appropriate course of action moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think we we you know I I remember hearing lawyer saying you know getting the DNA uh, discharge not amounting to quota does not mean that one is you know uh, free or free. you cannot be charged anymore. So I I do not know how the current Attorney General's chambers would want to go forward with this case but i think many people especially opposition are seeing this as a dangerous precedent because you know do do we will we see more of these sort of uh, deals uh, happening uh, with a lot of uh, politicians who have been charged with graft and a lot of criminal charges who are now in the side of the government uh, but of course just like yesterday the lawyer for uh, datu sy najib raza has been saying you know at least According to him, at least Najib won't be one of those who would want a plea deal. He wanted to clear his name in the courts, so I think his case just started yesterday, and we will we will, we will go on until uh, tomorrow. So we will see more and more of these cases going to the courts, and let's see what happens. And we may we may meet where we may see more clearly how the attorney general's chambers would want to. Uh, you know, deal with these cases.
2: I think what the public and also, you know, the people want is just to have, to, to be sure that this doesn't happen to all these high-profile cases as well. Yes. With yeah. The, the, I,
1: the, I think the issue here is that all these cases uh, to seek justice takes a very, very long time and a very, very resilient uh, <laughs> persecution. And with the change of government recently, it has, in a way, you know, uh, uh, affected how people are viewing all these cases inevitably we cannot skip that now we'll we see, may a see a, see a sequel. sequel to Wolf of Wall Street right now because <laughs> well, we... really free <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm curious uh, how Datuk Sri Najib has been uh, defending Riza by by touting the excellence of, Walt, uh, <laughs> of, the, of the movie and I was wondering <laughs> how much of his supporters actually have seen the movie and would agree <laughs> with him afterwards after watching it
2: and that guy that guy in the movie was actually jailed that guy oh. two stories of that <laughs> yeah That's
1: it's, it's, yeah, it's that. ironic that, isn't it that, yeah, yeah exactly. he
2: was jailed because of all this <laughs> because uh, of all the things that he did behind the scenes okay
1: so much drama
2: but it's not art in imitating life right no yeah way
1: we're on way we <laughs> all
2: right let's move on to our next article um, well Raya is uh, around the corner and um, there's with CMCO right. We're in CMCO right now, and uh, there's been talks about relaxing some of its restrictions. But how important is it to still restrict interstate travel, in your opinion?
1: Okay, I think the Health Director General, Dr. Uh, Nishan has mentioned these times. Uh, the issue here is that a lot of the r- r- red zones, as they call it, are situated in urban areas. Uh, Slangon is the state with the highest number of cases. Uh, Kuala Lumpur as well. So what would happen with the interstate travel is usually uh, during this Ramadan and season, you will see people from urban going back home. And already we have seen a lot of these attempts. Uh, thousand, over 1,000 uh, vehicles have been turned back almost daily uh, ever since uh, this movement has been allowed, uh, which proved that, you know, even though people know that you cannot move into state people are still trying you know trying their luck and you know it, i i find it funny when uh, yesterday senior minister datuk sri ismail sabri yakub said he is baffled about people who are trying to still trying to go back home despite not being you know he has not being allowed and I, and i think this is down much to the sort of communications that the government is doing towards the public on the ground so there's a lot of um, contradictory um, issues uh, that, that 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 made people think that it's okay, or you they may try uh to return home because you know we we, we don't exactly have open movement, but at the same time we don't actually have total uh, lockdown. I mean, some people can still travel interstates uh for work, for example, uh to return home after they are uh being stranded elsewhere, for example, or meeting their spouses. Uh and it's because of this that we have all these sort of situations, and, and and yeah, I think it is very much important to uh, prevent uh, people with asymptomatic, uh, without any symptoms, to return home and in turn uh, infect all those elderly people uh, that they are seeing when they return home. And I think that's the most important reason why we still need to restrict interstate travel. I think.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because like what you said, people can travel interstate for work. Why can't they be allowed to travel interstate to just go visit? You said visit their spouses, right? Why can't they go and visit their... Well, isn't there
1: like some kind of permit though? Yeah, you still need to uh, apply uh, through the Grab Malaysia app, uh, which is handled by the cops, uh, by the police. Uh, so yeah, that's another another thing, another layer of... And I think we have also seen, because of that requirement, uh, we have seen queues in police stations. Uh, yeah, it's a mess really. Yeah,
2: My husband, because his office is in Trengganu, he had to go to the police station even after applying on the Garap Malaysia ad. He still had to go to the police station three times to hmm, be able hmm. to get his permit to go go back to work. Um, but but what kind of SOPs, uh, to your knowledge, are in place to ensure that these travelers do not abuse this permit? Trave- I think
1: we just have yeah. I think we just have to leave it to the uh, our police. Uh, we have to uh, have trust in them for them uh, to verify all these permits and I think the issue here is not so much about uh, people abusing this permit but also how do we do we actually have enough resources to handle all these permits Uh, and in the breakdown of such a uh, you know facing such demands do do we have uh, enough uh, enforcement authorities to you know and all those back lanes and all that. And I think that is uh, a more pressing concern.
2: Yeah. Are you going, do you normally go balik kampung for Araya? Uh,
1: actually, yeah, I haven't. Usually every year, we would balik kampung to Johor. But, you know, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but in the past two year, several years, I mean, going going back balik kampong every raya or either future season is madness. I mean, the traffic jams, even if you manage to go balik kampong to return back to KL, oh, wow, I, I'm not sure if we will ever go back to, uh, you know, going balik kampong every year after this.
2: Okay. So you are saying... So maybe the new norm. Yeah. Norm-
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah
0: maybe we, we should just not have Balik Kampung anymore. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't. I don't think everyone will agree to that, but uh, perhaps you would give more excuse to those who don't want to Balik Kampung.
2: <laughs> yeah, because um, Sham, one of our uh, Malay announcers on the drive thru he's saying that um, his his parents-in-law are in Kuala Pila and they're seeing people come in from you know from various locations to Balik mm, Kampung, yeah. so they're yeah. asking them. Why cannot? Why you cannot come back? You know, because <laughs> everyone else is coming back. Why you cannot come back?
0: <laughs> yeah. So it One thing they back. understand it's a safety issue, and now the cops are saying that they're going to be doing spot checks, uh, in uh, based on your <laughs> license plate number. So if you're in Kuda and then you spot a W or J plate, or oh, you're going to be in trouble. I'm like, how's that going to work?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I find that that. that I mean, uh, even the Director General has been talking about this. I mean, th- that 20 people limit for Beraya, right? <laughs> i will be like, it's so arbitrary. Uh, you have so many of these arbitrary numbers of people that can visit. Uh, and just yesterday, I think when you're talking about the spot checks, uh, I think the uh, Minister Ismail said, you know, the police will check whether how, how many cars are parked in front of your house. So, I yeah. mean, so people are already commenting, you know, people will just park in front of somebody else's house <laughs> in order to, to escape this. So, yeah. Uh, this is the kind of mess that you have when you say you don't you don't outright either allow or just ban it altogether because mm. you need some political uh, benefit or political clout out it, you know? You allow, but you don't also allow. You allow, but only set 20 people. So, there's a lot of, you know, it would be a much uh, easier... Uh, for all our enforcement authorities if visiting during Raya is just banned altogether. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Nice.
2: Last one. So um our Health DG has said that they're fine-tuning SOPs uh during the CMCO for barbers and hair salons to be reopened and also <sighs> for child safety because at the at this moment um children cannot go to crowded areas like malls and whatnot. So, they're still looking into fine-tuning all these SOPs. And uh, <laughs> I think a lot of men out there, they need haircuts.
0: Yes. With hair yeah. salons
2: and barbers still closed. Um, what type of SOPs will we be looking at to like ensure yeah. a person's safety at a hair salon?
1: Yeah, I, I am grateful for my wife. I have, you are giving me this not bad haircut. Okay, thank you for that. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <you>. yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, Melimil broke that story where we talked with uh, certain barbershops who admitted to offering house calls and also uh, from the uh, Bumi Putra Barbers Association saying, you know, the, the, the reality is barbers are suffering. They had to close the shops. Most of them uh, not even in the middle forty percent. Some of them are in the bottom forty percent of the households. Uh, so this has really hit them hard, and they are fuming because they do not see these SOPs applied equally. You know, some people with money can, you know, secretly call them uh, for for house calls, but for but they cannot even do that with the rest of the public. Um, and I think they have submitted uh, their versions of what. NSOP SOP uh, should be like, which you know, among others include disinfection, uh, wearing gloves, um, all the PPE and face masks, um, limiting people who can just come to a shop. And I think this has to be looked um, properly, not just for barbershops and hairdressers, but also a lot of you know, uh, all these um, beauty or health services. And this is even more pressing because uh, the bar- barbers or barbershops were among those industries, there was, you know, when 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 the economy was first starting to get relaxed, they were one of those who were in the list. But then, because of public backlash, and rightly so, they were taken off uh, the list. But you know, the, the reality is much different on the ground. And I think, and it's not just barbers. I mean, in general, we are all losing our incomes. We are all losing our revenues, our profits. As we are struggling um, to 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 just get by on everyday, and I think. In a lot of the more successful countries, uh, there is less of this problem because the decision seems to be, it's okay, it's fine, we have a lockdown, we close all the business, but at the same time, as the government, we give enough so you can survive you can go through this very hard period. And we go back to our earlier discussion on how the parliament is not sitting. So when the parliament is not sitting, you cannot debate all this uh, amount of uh, money that is being uh, funneled to the ground. And because of that, you have people uh, who are either not getting enough or not getting at all, or even when they have applied, they are still not getting their aid. And, you know, businesses are complaining they don't get, uh, they applied, by found out that the fund is already gone. No, the, the sort of thing should have been... Uh, discussed in the parliament, but we are not seeing it. And as a you know, as a result, we are seeing a lot of people still suffering and may continue to do so in the next few months.
2: But how about the economic stimulus packages that, that the government has announced? So this cannot be rolled out unless it's been debated in parliament?
1: Yeah, <laughs> by right, it should have been debated and passed first in the parliament mm-hmm. before it was rolled out, uh, which is perhaps one of the reasons why we are seeing, you know, the prime minister has announced it, uh, I think, more than 200 billion, but most of those Came from the banks, and it's mostly not, not, not cash, not hard cash. It's mostly you know, aids in moratoriums and loans and credit cards and all that. The actual amount of the cash that is being disbursed to the public is much less and perhaps not nearly enough for the, our population compared to other countries. So yeah.
2: All right. Now, as a father yourself, diary, like, how important do you think these SOPs are, especially for to reduce the risk of children contracting yeah, covid nineteen? Yeah,
1: it is. It is undeniable that children below twelve are more susceptible, and they are a higher, they are at a higher risk of contracting COVID nineteen. Um, and it is because of this, we have the government and also Health Ministry uh, trying to restrict um, parents from bringing and their children to public spaces, but uh, you also have to look at it another way. Um, Sometimes, we we have reported on this as well, Uh, sometimes parents just do not have any choice, you know. Um, Businesses have reopened, workplace has reopened, but daycare, schools, all this childcare has still not reopened. So what happens is that you have this imbalance where people still need to go to work, but they do not have anywhere uh, to leave their kids with. And this happens with shopping as well. You no, know, for single parents, for example, if you do not have a support system, you do not have a family that can help take care of your children, you just have left with no choice but to bring your children when you're shopping. I mean, what, what other choices are, are there for you? And, uh, in our previous report, we have heard uh, single parents, single mothers especially, uh, who have been stopped from doing their groceries just because they have they're bringing their children and and, and they have no choice. And how are you going to deal with this? Uh, you know, this conundrum. And again, we go back to all this uh, mismatch on how the MCO is being uh, implemented. In the you know, you you it does not it does not match. You know, for example, the. Uh, school uh, or daycare is still closed but business is open and how, how, how do you cope with that
2: So you have to have like several different laws for different pockets of people and then and then you get loopholes where other people will claim that why this person cannot can and this person yeah. not
1: right yeah even yeah even if you're not a single parent right i mean the best the government could do just now is to urge employers to give some kind of leeway so one person can work one day and then work from home the other day i mean but if you have an act or law you could just you know tell all employees to do that you don't have to urge back for them to institute this because if you leave it to employers uh to businesses they do not have any incentive at all to allow parents uh you know to to work from home or even let them have some time off for their children because it it does not bring any profit in a uh, in a landscape and an environment where they're already losing money and this, this is kind of conundrum that we're facing right now
2: after listening to you I feel like it boils down to parliament sitting again and, <laughs> and enacting laws it's
1: true <laughs> uh, yeah. because right
0: now
2: that we have right now
0: yeah it's everything it's, it's always great when you, when you hear what they're saying on TV and it's like stay home stay safe you'll be fine CMCO everyone goes back to work and everything's fine but it's too broad because the devil's in the details, and every different industry and every single person has a different
1: need, right? I think for me, it is uh, too big an issue to for the government to just give suggestion and hope that the people on the ground will follow whatever suggestion that is. Mm. Uh, it has because this is this is this is not normal life anymore. This is a public health crisis, public health emergency, and it it is one of those uh, few times where the government has to take control. Of issues, you know. In in times of peace, we may you know not care so much about what the government is doing. But in this case, it is very much essential. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, I remember when the CMCO first came in the play, people were going, "Yes, we get to go out." Wait, what does this really mean? Because we, it's so vague, right?
1: Yeah, I think the media. also, we we have tried our best to explain certain certain things uh, but even then you know there are a lot of things that need questioning and sometimes we just do not have the answers so how do we explain this to our readers you know for example
2: well thank you so much Zurairi for joining us today and shedding light on some of some of these issues that we've had in our minds as well uh, have a good Raya celebration <laughs> thank you yes.
1: uh, I, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it
2: <laughs>